This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, March 26th, 2020. On this day in 1993, 16-year-old Raina Rison disappeared after her shift at the local animal hospital. It would take two decades for her murder to be solved, and even now, questions over the truth linger. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the disappearance and murder of high school sophomore Raina Rison. Let's go back to the charming small town of LaPorte, Indiana on March 26, 1993, just after 6 p.m. Matt Elser parked his car outside Raina's house, just like he used to. He and Raina Rison had been together for the better part of the past four years, and if Matt had it his way, they'd be together for a few more. He just had to convince her to take him back. She'd wanted to talk about it, so they agreed to meet at her house on Friday night, the 26th. Matt thought Raina was incredible, passionate and hardworking, she played three instruments in the school marching band. As if that wasn't lovable enough, she worked part-time at the local animal hospital, pursuing her dream of becoming a veterinarian. But it was now well after six, and Matt was still waiting for Raina to drive up and yell hello to him over the radio. Fog was rising, with still no sign of her. Matt tried to be patient as he watched the sunset. Maybe she didn't want to get back together after all. Her shift ended at six. She should have been home by now. But maybe Raina was just held up at work. Maybe there was a sick animal, some emergency. Matt called Pine Lake Animal Hospital. No word on Raina. She didn't seem to be there. He decided to look for her and drove over to Pine Lake himself. Raina wasn't there, and neither was her car. He looked further along the route, then went back to her house. Matt explained to Mr. and Mrs. Rison that he and Raina had a date tonight. They were getting back together, by the way. Mr. and Mrs. Rison were already concerned. They didn't know where she was either. It wasn't like Raina to disappear like this. She should have been home by now. By 9.30 that night, Ben and Karen Rison were living their worst nightmare their teenage daughter had disappeared. Ben tried to file a missing persons report with the local police. He was told to come back tomorrow. They had to wait a full 24 hours before 16-year-old Raina would be legally missing. The Risons could only hope she'd turn up that night. Concerned, Karen turned on the house's front lights. Then she turned on the back lights too. 
Reyna would see them and know they were waiting for her to come home, arms wide open. The lights would stay on all night, every night, until Reyna's body was found. But her case wouldn't be solved for another 20 years. Coming up, a wide range of suspects complicate the case. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. 16-year-old Raina Rison never came home from her shift at the animal hospital on March 26, 1993. The next day, her parents opened a missing person case. They contacted friends and neighbors for leads, put up flyers, and hit the pavement. They told the police everything they could think of. Before long, investigators had two tips. One, witnesses had seen Reyna arguing with two men outside of her work on the day she disappeared. And two, Reyna's car was discovered, parked up the road, empty. Detectives split up. Some interviewed her ex-boyfriend, Matt, trying to suss out if he'd been part of the argument. Others searched the car. The hood was up, the keys still in the ignition, Reyna's purse inside. They also found a man's ring. Matt swore the ring wasn't his, and he hadn't had any argument with Reyna. On closer inspection, he realized the ring belonged to Reyna's other ex, Jason Tibbs. Reyna had dated Jason just before Matt back in seventh grade. She'd moved on, but Jason had always held a candle for her. Even more interesting to detectives, Jason was a rough-edged high school dropout. They brought him in for questioning. Jason confirmed it was his ring. He'd forgotten it after helping Reyna with a car problem a while back. And he, too, had an alibi for March 26th. Jason was playing fugitive, or as he called it, fox hunting. It's hide-and-seek on steroids, played with cars at night on the open streets of a small town. It was a foggy Friday night, and the weather was starting to warm up, perfect for these kinds of games. Jason's friends verified he was fox hunting that night. Weeks passed. The case was featured on America's Most Wanted. Matt's letterman jacket, which he'd given to Reyna, turned up in the woods but still no real sign of Reyna. Until April 27, 1993, a teenage girl spotted Reyna's body floating in a pond in Laporte County. An autopsy revealed Reyna had been choked to death and her killer dumped her corpse in the lake afterward. Reyna's mom turned her house's front lights off that night, no one needed to see the Rysons as they grieved. Just when the family thought things couldn't get worse, detectives started investigating Raina's brother-in-law, Ray McCarty. Ray had actually stopped by the animal hospital on March 26th while Raina was working. 
He claimed he'd just popped in to ask if Raina knew where Lori was. However, Ray was a convicted child molester who'd just been released from probation. His abuse victim? Raina. McCarty had molested Raina for two years when she was a preteen. McCarty even got her pregnant, which led to his criminal charges. Detectives wondered if he'd decided to kill her after he got out of prison. Unfortunately, they couldn't link McCarty to the case beyond circumstantial evidence. To complicate things further, in 1995, serial killer Larry Hall confessed to Raina's murder. In truth, he was only seeking attention, but the false confession wasted valuable police resources. After three more years with no new leads, detectives circled back to Ray McCarty. He'd hurt Raina before. It was too suspicious. In 1998, they managed to get a search warrant and found blood in his car. But a few drops of blood five years after a murder isn't enough to send anyone to prison. Plus, there was no evidence Raina bled as she died. She was strangled. With no chance of prosecuting Ray McCarty, the case went cold for 15 years. Raina's memory lived on. Her family established the Raina Rison Memorial Scholarship, which helped deserving students from the Laporte High School marching band pay for college. Raina's love of music helped others for over a decade. In 2008, a jail cell confession changed everything. Convicted murderer Ricky Hammonds contacted police. He knew what happened to Raina Rison. Hammonds had known the truth for years and kept it secret, but he'd had a change of heart in prison. Hammonds wasn't looking for a deal. He just had to get something off his chest. And, he said, the police really needed to talk to a man named Eric Freeman. According to Hammonds and Freeman, March 26, 1993, went like this. That afternoon, Eric Freeman's friend asked him for a ride to Pine Lake Animal Hospital. Freeman didn't have a car, but his girlfriend, Jennifer Hammonds, did. Freeman borrowed her Buick and drove his friend to the clinic, where they knew Raina Rison was working. Freeman's friend was in love with Raina, and today he'd tell her how he felt. He wanted to get back together to work things out. At the animal hospital, Freeman's friend went inside to speak with Raina. After a while, the pair came back out, arguing. As the conversation escalated, they decided to leave the parking lot and go driving in Jennifer Hammond's car. Eric drove with Raina and his friend in the back seat. Their argument continued. Freeman said Raina just didn't want to be with this guy. After a while, Freeman pulled over to the side of the road and everyone got out of the car. As Freeman waited, the argument got physical. He saw his friend hit Raina, then choke her to death. Freaking out, the friends stuffed Raina's body in the trunk and drove to Jennifer's house. They parked the car in her family's barn and tried to figure out what to do next. Unbeknownst to them, Ricky Hammonds was in the barn, secretly smoking a joint. 
He overheard the men discussing what to do with the body, specifically the declaration, if I can't have her, nobody can. Then they opened the trunk and Ricky saw Reyna's body. Freeman and his friend ended up sinking the corpse in a nearby pond. They drove Reyna's car from the animal hospital to the country road and tried to make it look like a breakdown. They both walked free for the next 20 years. After Ricky's confession, it took five years for the police to compile the necessary evidence and press charges. But in 2013, they finally arrested Eric Freeman's friend. It wasn't Matt Elser. It wasn't Ray McCarty. His friend was Jason Tibbs. Jason Tibbs was found guilty and remains behind bars despite his continued appeals. While this story ends in tragedy, there is a ray of hope. After 20 years, Raina Rison's cold case was solved. Her parents and sisters were able to see justice. While it could never bring Raina back to them, they were afforded closure many victims' families don't get, years after they were told to give up. Raina's story proves it's never too late for a murder to be solved, and not all cold cases must remain so. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the ParCast original, Crimes of Passion, which covers stories of relationships turned criminal. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Billy Pace, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Maggie Admire, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson.